How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronald. Glad you said good buddy. Yeah, sometimes. It depends how you've acted over the weekend. But this weekend was a pretty solid one. Pretty solid one. I agree. Yeah, so we, by the time this episode airs, Ronnie, it's going to be three days away from the URC final. Cape Town, cannot flipping wait for that. That's going to be absolutely epic. And Johnny Sexton will have been banned. We can only hope, eh? We can only hope. <laughs> but yeah, very excited to be heading down to Cape Town. We'll be joining you guys there for the game. Ronald is not joining us. He's otherwise occupied or preoccupied. And Craig and myself will be down there. Definitely looking forward to that, Ronnie. You're missing out, eh? Yeah, and you're staying in the same place you did last time, so a bit of a view over Cape Town. Yeah, can't wait for that to see the stadium, but I see that the weather's not looking like it's going to do us any kindness. So you're going to pack two shorts. Two shorts, yeah. But Ronnie, why don't we dive right in then? This weekend we had the Challenge Cup, that was on Friday night. We had like a T-bone braai, always a winner, I think. Yeah, T-bone's nice, especially from the local butchery here in Pretoria, then to work with beef. So then we've got Toulon. They were playing at the Aviva against Glasgow Warriors. Glasgow appearing in their first ever final. Toulon walking out 43-19 victors in that one. Yeah, so I think Connacht was pretty lucky. They, their, position, their position in the Champions Cup is now safe. There we go, yeah. Yeah, so you're trying to correct me here. And yeah, I thought you were being a moron. Everyone will understand they listen okay, to Okay, all right. So if Glasgow won, they would have... No, see, they'd already qualified. So they were actually safe. For this final. All right. Okay. So, let's so actually you were being a moron. Yeah, but you still looked at me as if I was a moron. Then you agreed with me. And now when I corrected myself, then now you're agreeing with myself with me again. So. Would you say you spoke past your mouth again? I spoke past my mouth again. <laughs> yeah, that was a, an incredible fixture. I really enjoyed the rugby on display. I think we saw that first try from Baptiste Serin. Absolutely phenomenal from the scrum half. And his second try. Through. Yeah. And his second try, as Ronnie says, he was on fire. Unfortunately, he only played for 40 minutes, but what a contribution. And if you think about it, he's France's third scrum half. And we were talking about him being man of the match or player of the match or star of the match, whatever they want to call it these days. So he played exceptionally well. Yeah, he played a phenomenal game. Then also a huge shout out, Ronnie, Matthew Bastaru. He came onto the field as an injury replacement. He was on the bench as a loose forward. Ended up coming on at center. Obviously, quite a familiar position for the big man. But unbelievable, guys. This was Bastaru's 10th club final appearance. So he came on at center wearing the 20 jersey. Now, my question is, was he there as a utility back or a utility forward? He was there as a utility because I'm pretty sure he could rock it at prop as well. Rock it at prop. (laughs) But yeah, the big man, 10th career final for club that's phenomenal yeah, that's a, that's intense that. because i mean players play what 12 14 years at most on a you know really good if they're not injury prone and 10 of those years he was in a final and I did some research today he's won five of those 10 so he's at a 50 percent win record in the finals yeah if only he played for south africa then he'd have a hundred percent so that was his first challenge cup trophy that he added there but he has two heineken cups as well from his time with toulon and then also the top 14 victories to add into that. So big man, big performance. And I see he's now announced he will be retiring next weekend. So one last hit out against Bordeaux. That'll be it for him, for a legend of the game, really. I'll have something to say when the later point in this podcast. But yeah, it's, it's quite something to be retiring in the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, it is. That's definitely questionable. I don't think he was really in the reckoning for the French side anymore. But 
Yeah, I mean, he was part of that legendary Titalan team that had Joe Funnykirk and Juan Smith and Wilkinson and Gitto and Habana. So he's really been around for quite a while. Yeah. But Ronnie, fast start in that game. 21-0 at 20 minutes. Toulon were rushing ahead and Glasgow looked quite out of their depth. Yeah, Toulon had it in the bag, I think, for a large portion of that game. It was theirs to lose and uh, yeah, they won at the end. That's great. Yeah, they definitely did walk away with the victory. I thought the selection of Fraser Brown over George Turner was a bit questionable because Glasgow really struggled in the lineouts. And then if you think of how they struggled, Richie Gray was also on the bench. He wasn't starting. So some questionable calls there from Coach Franku Smith when he selected the side. But as I see, he came out and said, you know, you can always say this in hindsight. They prepped for what they thought they were going to get. Yeah, and you back it. If you trust your leader, you back them no matter what. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But being indecisive isn't going to help anybody. No, for sure not. And I mean, it's their first ever final appearance. So they're going to grow from this. They're going to learn. And I think we'll see a good performance from them come the 23-24 season. Yeah, so then Colby also had a great game. Your Cheslin, flippant Colby. Pocket rocket of note. Actually, we were struggling in the beginning to differentiate between him and Villiers on the field, both wearing those red scrum caps. So but, we were a little grateful when Villiers went off and we could tell the difference. Yeah, and then we could see Cheslin. Defensively, I think, is where he impressed me most. Well, Cheslin's always been a good tackler. Our small guys from South Africa probably are the best defenders in the game. But it's also that phenomenal technique, eh? because you're seeing him rush these big players, but he takes the ball. He takes it right on the ball. There's no offload. There's no bouncing him. He just bear hugs them and traps that ball in there. Well, he knows if he gets bounced, he's going to get up and, and, and track the player down still. So, Trip them up, yeah. yeah. He can always, he's fast enough to tackle a person twice. Well, as you say, he got man of the match and a deserved man of the match. He had two massive try-saving tackles in the last few minutes of the game. And great to see him in some good form before linking up with the box. Dan Bigger, concussed in this fixture. That wasn't great to see. He, he looked all right. Early. Yeah, he went off early. But it reminded me that there's a player, Ihaya West, someone we haven't seen for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, one of my go-to players also when we used to play fantasy rugby. And uh, yeah, forgot about him for a bit there. Yeah, a number of Kiwi players involved this weekend in both finals as well as South Africans. But I think ultimately Toulon's forward pack in their scrum is what won it for them and as well as the, the lineouts. And deserved victory for the champions. They've got a number of trophies in their cupboard. Absolutely. Our Super Brew winner for this one. Yeah, so I'll go in third. I'll do the top three. It's not just the winner, but top three. You know, we've got George Brooks, who's neutral like Switzerland. Is he now first or third? Yeah, he's in third place. Third I always place. start in third place. Come on, you got to build up. So George Brooks, AD, a.k.a. GDB, he's on 57.75 points. Uh, then in second place, we've got Charles Vessels, who's a cheetah supporter, but his username is Sharky's Fatty Cocky. So... Yeah, a bit of, I suppose you could say cheetahs and sharks are very similar. You could support both. Uh, he's on 58.33 points. And then top spot, superest of brews. Superest of brews goes to Juice Smith, who's a Glasgow Warriors supporter. Lacker Juice. I don't understand that. And Juice 9 is on 58.50 points. So not didn't, didn't win it by much, but he won it outright. So Juice 9. Yeah, Lacker Juice. Well done. So, Ronnie, should we take a. Jump over to the Saturday fixture at the Aviva. That was the big Heineken Cup final. La Rochelle 
walking away 27 to 26 points victors over Leinster. Yeah, so this was a great game. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, sure, fair enough. But I think what's important here is that we started watching that game and we thought, oh, well, we've stuffed up with our super brute calls. Leinster are going to absolutely decimate La Rochelle. It's going to be 100 points. Yeah, I mean, as you say, that game started off, what, 40 seconds in, Dan Sheehan's in for his first try. A couple of minutes later, he's in for his second try. I mean, this is the hooker of Leinster now. Two tries in, a couple of minutes. And we really did, eh, Ronnie? We sat there and we're like, shit, we need to check Superbrew. Who's made the highest pick? Because they're getting this one. And it was suddenly 17-0 down in Leinster's favor. And this is the nature of a lot of these games that start off as blowouts. Teams become complacent. No, 100%. And you actually commented on that while we were watching the fixture. But Larachal takes the lead in the 72nd minute only. And that's all they needed, eh? To lead for eight minutes and win the title. Yeah, in the famous words of Vin Diesel, win by an inch or win by a mile. Yeah, it was a, a really good game, though. I must applaud the quality both sides brought to the fixture. It really was a great display of rugby. That Leinster ruck speed in the first half was something to behold. Right, they, they came out firing all cylinders, and yeah, I was convinced that they were taking the win. And it wasn't up until, I don't know, the 60th minute where I thought, okay, La Rochelle's actually putting up a bit of a fight here. So yeah, good for La Rochelle that they didn't... What I don't know what the implode. word is. They didn't implode themselves and think, oh shit, we've lost it after 40 seconds in. And they stuck to their guns and yeah, their guns won. You know, you said there, Ronnie, there was that big sort of shift in momentum in the 60th minute. But you remember coming up on the screen, it was something like 140 tackles to 39. Yeah. Lenstad made so many. And I mean, at some point, that's going to catch up to the team. Yeah, you could say it going to catch up but you know they it's not exactly like they lost as a result of being so tired they were in it right up until the 81st minute but i think there's some huge performances there and guys that deserve big praise from the leinster team jack conan for me had a phenomenal outing as did josh van der fleet van der fleer dan sheehan obviously hooker scoring two tries it really really was an awesome fixture to watch then that alan oh sorry and then that michael Michael (laughs) alatoa The other Alatoa. Yeah, the other Alatoa. The other Alatoa, yeah. (laughs) He gets a red card for a clean out. Suddenly, La Rochelle looked like they're in with a fight. And it was 14 14 on 15. Then it was 14 on 14. Then it was 13 on 14 at one point. Did it go down to 13? They had a yellow and a red. Yeah, well, there you go. So it was evened out by Yaku Paper. Kabbalah also had a yellow in the first half. But what a fixture. I honestly couldn't get enough of that. And I think Will Skelton is someone that's just shot himself right into Eddie Jones's squad. You say that, though, but these players, we tend to mark them and say, geez, these guys are playing incredibly well, but then they never get picked for the national side. I think it would be a big faux pas if Eddie Jones doesn't select him. So I just pulled up some stats on Big Willie today. Okay. And Big Willie, I actually think, might be the most decorated rugby player of all time, Ronnie. No, that's impossible. Can I tell you what he's achieved? Please do. One Super Rugby title. Okay. All right. Three Heineken Cup titles. Wow. Okay. Two English Premiership titles. All right. One Rugby Championship and a silver medal at the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, but he doesn't have a gold medal at the World Cup, so... Yeah, he's also never won Curry Cup. He's done it in every competition. Okay, not Curry Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot to nitpick Ronnie, but I think that's a really impressive CV. Yo, I, when I got that, I couldn't believe how well he's actually performed. 
yeah that's an interesting maybe for the next next week's episode we could talk about or the next episode we could talk about some players that have done exceptionally well over the years but will will skelton yeah maybe he is the most decorated and then something we also discussed this weekend ronnie in in looking ahead at the world cup we said you know Ireland, this is what we've seen from them. It's very, very good. They're very strong going into the World Cup. And then we spoke about France. And I think we both somewhat agree France are the real threat here because you've got the French starters. You know the quality they've got. Dupont, Intermac, Jaminet, Jalibert, Penault, all these guys in that team. It's just... You could just be making sounds with... Those are my favorite kind of pastas. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said, there were guys playing here for La Rochelle that are third string, second string French side guys, like Bryce Dulin, Paul Budenhent, Pierre Bugat, and Antoine Hastoy, the fly half. All of these guys are maybe third string, but here they are performing two Heineken Cups in a row. Yeah, it's incredible. La Rochelle, always pegged as a, as a small team, but they've got back-to-back Champions Cup trophies now. Yeah, and then just for all our listeners, I need to apologize. My one Instagram post was incorrect. I said that there were five South Africans involved in the final. I forgot that Guthrie Stienkamp is the scrum coach for La Rochelle. Really? Yeah, so three South Africans winning trophies there. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, that was great to see, guys. Very well done. And then Greg Aldrit. What a machine on the loose, eh? Yeah, Named, a bit of an animal. Uh, Heineken player, player of the Year. Player of the Year. Player of the Season. Star of the Season, I think yeah. that's what they call it. 17 carries in that fixture. Yeah, that's massive. That's very impressive, and he's looking very good for France. So, Ronnie, what did you make of that? Happy with that final? Could we have seen better? Could we have seen worse? I think it's perfect. I think it's a little bit... It's got controversy in it. It's got... It was a close game. It was typical finals rugby. And it had everything. I have to agree with you. It really did have absolutely everything, including something we haven't yet spoken about. And Mm. that is the incidents at halftime and full time. I don't really know what happened there. All I know is Johnny Sexton was a little bit angry. So it seems like a lot of people have conflated two separate incidents in this fixture Mm. together. So the first one was at halftime when the sides were leaving the field. Assistant coach for Leinster, Sean O'Brien, went to stand outside the referee's change room to try and make sure that Ronan O'Gara couldn't speak to the ref at halftime. Wow. And then Will Skelton came in there to sort it out. Yeah, he's obviously going to sort it out because he's huge. So that's where a bit of an altercation came with a bit of pushing and shoving and shouting and whatnot. That was sorted out. After the game now, there was an incident with Johnny Sexton and Yaku Paper in which allegedly Sexton walked up wagging his finger in Paper's face, blaming him for the loss and that red card. Ronnie, ban? No ban? Yeah, ban the guy. I think we're sour South Africans. You know, our, our director of rugby was banned, so we're all in favor of everyone else getting banned now as well. Yeah, give that man a ban. Give that man a ban. No, sure, but look, it's not nice to see there's an element that you, you also just want to say, oh, come on, guys, there's a lot of emotion in it, just let it be. But rules are rules. Yeah, I've also read a lot of commentary coming out on social media about the Irish fans maybe taking things a bit over the top these days and being a little bit cocky. People saying that they don't understand why Owen Farrell is the most hated player. Why is it not Johnny Sexton? I don't know. I hate Johnny Sexton. (laughs) Well, there we go. Ronnie is one of those that hate him. I must admit he's pretty annoying for me at times as well, even though he is a class player. But another incident at the coin toss where... James Ryan wouldn't look at Aldrit in the... Yeah, I thought that was a bit of a stretch. Like, 
really okay show a bit of respect sure but i mean at the end of the day these guys are there to do a job and there's a lot of emotion and they want to they want to intimidate or get into the opposition's head so if you're not going to look at the person in the eye or like some other said stare them down before you know whatever just let it be yeah i guess it's no different than choosing how you're going to react to the hacker when it's done in front of you true and then the other one is leinster not putting on their medals yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a thing that's come out in recent years, and I think we refer back to England. Not doing it in 2019. But then again, if we had lost that final, I would have also probably agreed and said, don't put your bloody silver medals on, walk away and screw the English, and you know we should have won that or whatever and been a bit sour about it. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's not a good look for rugby. You should, uh, you should be in favor of, of being proud of where you ended and, and wearing your medal, even if it is a silver one. Yeah. I definitely agree with you, Ronnie. I think it was a bit disappointing to see. It is something we saw in 2019, and England took a lot of flack for it. So I don't see why it should be any different for Leinster. And then also, what do you make of Leinster prioritizing the Heineken Cup and coming up short there? Because we spoke about it last week. They arrested their squad for the semi-final, got knocked out by Munster. We said they've got to put all their eggs in the basket and win the Heineken Cup, and they did not do so. Maybe they should just focus on winning the URC for once. Yeah, I mean, do you think that's where the focus will be when Jacques Nienaber links up with them? So Leinster were 15 games unbeaten. I think they drew their 15th one against the Stormers then, and then a couple of losses at the end of the season, just losing a bit of momentum, playing C and B string teams. And I think they just thought that the URC was in the bag. They underestimated the power of Munster and uh, lost the final or lost, lost it in, in the semi-final against Munster. So, yeah, don't count your chickens. Play every game like it's a bloody, like it's it's your last one. Yeah, I think, look, there's no doubting that everyone envies Leinster's systems. They've clearly got a winning formula there to build a squad that... Well, they don't have a winning formula. Well, an almost winning formula. It's one or two figures that... They've they, got they a miss. silver medal formula. But it's producing a strong side. They perform consistently. They just need to get over the hurdle of winning some silverware now. But yeah, I, they need to prioritize the URC as well. Those players could have been warmed up in that URC fixture, ready for this final, and then one final. It's three weeks of rugby. Really? Really? And then they and would then have rested? Yeah, then they would have rested and it would have been fine. I think they they played their B-slash-C-string team against Munster, thinking they were going to win that, and then everyone was going to be fresh and, 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 and firing for for the Champions Cup final, and they lost on both occasions. Yeah, so tough for Leinster. I'm sure they're hurting a lot at the moment. But besides that, they really did bring good rugby to us this year, so very thankful for that. And I really enjoyed the Heineken Cup final. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, Ronnie, then over to the Curry Cup. Here we had the Lions. Very close loss to the Blue Bulls, 32-33. Edwell van der Merwe denied a hat-trick with two tries disallowed. Very close fixture in the Yaksuke Derby. Two two full string teams, right? Yeah. No, so two full string teams, thirty two, thirty three. Both defense coaches would probably not be happy with that. But yeah, look, good game. Well done to the Blue Bulls. Well yeah. done to the Lions. Like, let's give them credit, right? They came close. They yeah, just need the to Bulls start. Bulls desperately winning. needed that win because they're hovering at second to last on the log. Really? It's only the Griffins below them. <laughs> Yeah, the Blue Bulls did lose to the Griffins. I don't know if you heard about that. I did, yeah, it was great. Eh? <laughs> the Blue Bulls lost to the Griffins. We've got we to stop being cocky because we could lose to the, the Sharks could lose as well. It's true. 
Then talking about the Griffins, they went down at home 21 to 47 to the Griquas. Yeah, so the Griffins that beat the Blue Bulls, um, they lost to the Griquas. The Griquas. I don't that's, know if you heard about that. Yeah, that. That seems to add up, Ronnie. I, right. I think that's right. <laughs> then we've got the Sharks. They secured a home 35-23 point win over the Cheetahs. Lionel Crenier had a massive contribution in that, getting man of the match. Sharks move up to second in the log now, tied with the Cheetahs on points, but yeah. second on points difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the Sharks beat the Cheetahs quite convincingly, I thought. It's a good game. Then we go to Vierpia. They secured a 22-14 win over the Pumas. That game was moved to Athlone Stadium as they're trying to protect the pitch for the URC. But watching some of the highlights, it looked really good. Good crowd attendance. Guys seem to enjoy it. And I'm sure the Stormers will look to spread more games there as they did in the URC with so you, the Marties. You're, you're talking about Athlone being... An enjoyable atmosphere. Correct. Okay. Right. Taking the game to the people. Do we know where Athlone Stadium is? Somewhere in the Western Cape. Okay. All Not right. just Cape Town. All right. Yeah, but Cape Town isn't, isn't Cape Town the same as the Western Cape? <laughs> we have a big one coming this weekend. We alluded it to in the beginning. So you're going to this game, which which is going to be fun. I'm going to this game. I'm definitely looking forward to the rugby, but I'm also definitely looking forward to my breakfast at Truth. Your, I love that coffee shop. So it's Ronnie's favorite as well, but. He won't admit it on the podcast. So Stormers v Munster, that game's kicking off on at 6, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday night. And it sold out within a couple of hours. Yeah, less than three hours tickets to that fixture sold out. I'm pretty sure I was one of the first people in the queue to get tickets because I got in there without being in any virtual queue. And then I went back in to purchase the second round of tickets and that was absolute chaos, Ronnie. That was chaos. So you bought some extra tickets? And uh, you dished them out. Yeah, we gave them to a fan of the page, Kyle. Kyle lives down there and he didn't manage to get tickets to the game. So we thought we'd reward one of our top fans and we, we spotted him with two. So hopefully Kyle will enjoy this fixture. I know he does listen to the pod. Okay, that's lucky. I mean, that's exactly why we started this pod, was to get tickets and distribute them accordingly. Yeah, and, you know, enjoy rugby with everyone. That's that's the main goal, hey? Yeah, so you're going down to Cape Town to watch the URC final. Again, another game where you don't support either teams. 100%, but I'm definitely going to be donning my Stormers cap. You're not going to be there to bitch about it, so I can really... You have a Stormers cap? Them. No, I'm going to have to buy one. Right. And then we'll give it away or something. <laughs> But that's going to be a cracker fixture. Stormers v. Munster. 55,000 in the stadium. How many Munster fans do you think are coming? Yeah, this is a difficult one. So we spoke about how Cape Town's actually such a lack of destination for foreigners. I mean, direct flights into Cape Town. And then there's wine farms all around. So the French are going to love a place like that. And, and I think with the Rand Euro Exchange, it's such a great destination. It really is. And But I don't see Munster you know, all of their fans traveling down. I I don't think any of them were planning on being in the final. Now, oh, they beat Leinster. Now they have to go to Cape Town. And I don't think they will have many fans, although there'll be some oldies, I'm sure, that, that are retired and going down. So I heard a rumor today from the Munster fans and their little union that they have 5,000 of them coming to the stadium. Wow. Okay. That will be really impressive. Guys, stay away from Ferryman's Irish Tavern. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing Irish yeah, about no, it. Nothing Irish about it. So, yeah, that's going to be cracker if they get 5,000 fans there. But it'll be great, you know, to see some, some of the guys making the trip down. I think they are a well-supported side, so that could be quite good. I hope so. Then just to look at the squads, 
Ronnie. So Munster back to full strength. They're welcoming back Arfia Sneiman, Connor Murray, Malika Fekitoa, and Calvin Nash. Just Munster have a full strength squad to pick from. I, I don't know who Arfia is. He's been in Ireland so long, they're starting to call him RG. RG. <laughs> so he will be down there. And then the Stormers have one injury. That's Sasha Feinberg and Gomazulu. He is out of this one. He won't be able to play after sustaining an injury in the Curry Cup. And that's a bit disappointing. He offered them some utility off the bench in the semi-final. Yeah, absolutely. But we've got Dion Faree back, right? Dion Faree's back. Everyone else is back. So it's a full-strength squad to pick from. And when I say we, I mean South Africa. Yes. We are now all Springbok fans. <laughs> and the Stormers are just wearing... Yeah, the Springboks are wearing their Stormers, Stormers jerseys, jerseys for the day. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So it's good, good quality team to pick from. Both sides probably going to stick to what's tried and trusted at this point adding a few key players that were missing from the last playoff game. And then, Ronnie, the pitch. Yeah, so you put pitch conditions in brackets, Monster Jam. Monster Jam. Monster Jam. Only that's jam. like some big truck event, like Monster Trucks. We had it here in Loftus a couple of years ago. Well, the Loftus pitch might have been able to handle it better than the Cape Town one. So that caused quite a bit of damage to the Oh, the so it's it happened. It happened already. No, that's... Well, maybe it com- compacted the grass to such windows. <laughs> So they've moved two Curry Cup games from the stadium to try and protect the pitch. Hopefully that's helped ahead of the So final. they moved the Curry Cup games to protect the pitch, but put monster trucks on. Quite correct, yes. How did they get those monster trucks in the, in the stadium? Over the roof. They're monster trucks. No, man. <laughs> but, like, really? That is actually a good question. I don't know. How big are those tunnels? That is a bloody good question, Ronnie. I actually have no idea. <laughs> Must be a combination of helicopters. Vin Diesel parachutes. <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel. <laughs> so, yeah, that pitch, if it is all torn up and weak, it's going to really hurt the Stormers game, I think, because they're going to rely heavily on their scrum with Kitsi and Franz Malherber. It will be Kitsi's last game as captain of the Stormers. Yeah, so that's sad. It's definitely unfortunate. Kitsy's been a mainstay of their pack for a long time. Look, I just want to talk about the pitch real quick before you move on again. The Stormers, it's not going to hamper the Stormers' performance because they're used to playing on that. Like, let's be honest now. I suppose that's true, but if your scrum doesn't hold, your scrum doesn't hold. Spoken like a true prop. Oh, you know, I've got experience. I, was, I did my time in the dark places, Ronald. <laughs> in the trenches. In the trenches. So, Ronnie... Predictions for this weekend? For the Irk final. For the Irk final. Well, I have to back the Stormers, right? I mean, back-to-back champs, playing against Munster. I think I wouldn't have backed them if they were playing Leinster up in Dublin. But it's home field advantage. It's a sold-out stadium. They've had an extra week to prepare. By all means, Stormers are going to take this. But it's going to be close. It's a final rugby. And so I think Stormers by three or four points. Yeah, I'm going to go for Stormers by five. I think home ground advantage experience of it last year and i think they're just a really tight-knit unit they deserve another victory it'll be great for us do it for the faithful and bring that trophy home boys or keep that trophy keep keep keep, bring it yeah keep it yeah don't let it go so ronnie then also news breaking this weekend of the revised salary cap for the south african sides i was very chuffed to to write a little bit about that today so the squads we spoke about it early in this season or maybe in season one there was a 67 million rand cap on player salaries, and that was for a squad of 45 players. Mm-hmm. Quite difficult to work with. You know, we did the math back then. It was quite hard to keep a number of marquee players, and we'd always questioned how the Sharks were actually managing it. 
So good to see that they've now announced a 26% increase to the budget. Okay, so have you done the math? I've done the math. That takes us up to 85.5 million rand budget for the coming season. A further 10 million will be added for the next season. So mm. that's great. Although the Slavman Rand is weakening. Um, yeah, it probably works out to be the same yeah, but probably, relatively. That's probably actually true. But the squad size has also increased to 53 players. Mm. So that's great. Another eight players there. But I think the biggest part of this, Ronnie, is that there's now an exception that each franchise can contract four marquee players outside of the budget. So that's four players, irrespective of what you pay, then the 85 million goes to the rest. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's a eligibility law there. Think about it, the Sharks would probably use that for like Lucanio, Ambongi, Yerbin. They've lost here, so... You say that, though, well, they could bring a, a import in. Cheslin. Cheslin's <laughs> leaving Toulon, and he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Rock Nation. Make some magic happen, boys. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's great to see. I think the better spending is one of the factors that contributed to our struggles in the Heineken Cup. The other, as I did say in my article, is the travel component. But the salary, the salary cap being, being raised is definitely a good start. Absolutely. So, Ronnie, then we take a look at Alan Wynne-Jones hanging up his boots, as well as Justin Tiprick. Yeah. So this is what I was referring to earlier when I was we were talking about Bustery retiring in a World Cup year. You've gone through all that effort to then make yourself unavailable for the World Cup. I think Alan Wynn and Justin probably were told by Gatlin that they're not going to the World Cup. You reckon? I reckon. You reckon? Going out on their own terms. You reckon that, that Gatlin hasn't worked so long with Alan Wynn and even Justin for that matter that he wants an Alan Wynn who's been through who's played 12 British and Irish Lions tests. And 158 Welsh tests. And 158 Welsh tests. He's been to a number of World Cups that he's not going to want him there in the mix like a, like a, who's the stepping hooker that we took along with? Skulk Brits. Like a Skulk Brits, but... Better. Well, Ronnie, to be honest with you, that's the only reason I can, I can come up with to make any sense of retiring now. Yeah, I, I read that there were some disagreements. Obviously, there's been some issues in the Welsh camp and the Welsh Rugby Union and how that's how that team's being managed. Do you not think that they didn't get what they want and they said, well, screw you guys, we're out? I, again, after such a long career, if you truly want to make a push for the World Cup, ended out there. But, I mean, a number of players coming to retire now. Sergio Parise as well just announced he's retiring. So a lot of guys bowing out. I think Parise and Bastru probably not in World Cup contention. But Adam Jones definitely was. Based on Sergio Parisi's performance in the final, in the Challenge Cup, I would still select him for Italy. Yeah, possibly me too. I think Bastaru, you're right. Probably not in contention. But Adam Jones, maybe not Justin Tiberik, but Adam Jones and, and Sergio Parisi, surely. Come on. Well, Adam Jones and Tiberik is a 263 test cap loss to the Welsh side ahead of the World Cup, which is massive. But the most ridiculous stat, Ronnie. Wales played their first test in 1881. Of all the test rugby they've played between 1881 and 2023, Alan Wynne-Jones has played in 20% of those games. Yeah, so one in five. (laughs) That is unbelievable to think about. Yeah, and he's not injury prone. Like, yes, he's had some niggles, but he's been all right for most of his career. He's played really well. He's been fit for most of it. Surely. Come on. I I don't buy this. He's going to be back at all. Well, you heard, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. 
Barbars versus World Team, that's also coming up this weekend. That's Eddie Jones coaching the Barbarians. Steve Hansen taking control of the World Team. Quite a few South Africans in there. Have you seen who's playing? I saw Spoon Corsi made it into the World 15, which I'm very happy. Yeah, Spoon Corsi and Ali Kebel will be playing for Steve Hansen's World 15. Yeah, then we've got Karlu Sadi in the Barbarians team. Correct. As well as Francois Hohart. Francois Hohart? Francois Hohart. And Stefan Louvies. Levis. Right. Okay. So that's going to be a good game to watch on Saturday. Are those Saturday. all the South Africans or do we need to do a bit more research? No, those are all the South Africans. For now. For now. They'll call more of us up after the USC final. <laughs> <laughs> so Ronnie, should we take a dive into the fan topic for this week? Jason Stiles, you reached out to us, sent us a lucky email there. You're in the USA. Unfortunately, we can't send merch to the USA. I don't know if you ever come to SA, we can gladly arrange for a delivery then. But thank you for getting in touch. We always appreciate it, guys. So don't forget to pop us your questions and you can get some punted merch by featuring in the pod. So Jason, you asked us, have the Sharks lost their way in developing talent? Last few years, they are buying players more than producing them in KZN. Will it affect them in the long run? Ronald? I agree with Jason. I do agree, but I don't think it will affect them in the long run. I think the long run is here and now. I think it started affecting them many years ago and, and like like Jason says we're just buying talent you know you are seeing the likes of Pepsi Butelezi and a number of players that are in the Sharks team now that made it made their way through the Sharks academy academy but I think for the most part we're still buying our big name players yeah I think the last big name player produced in Durban was probably Pat Lambie uh, your favorite player yeah, but legitimately so. I think he's the last product that's gone on to get 50 caps for the box. Yeah, agreed. And, and yeah, look, I think it has affected them. Clearly there's, yeah, can we compete? Can the Sharks Academy compete with the likes of Western Province Rugby Union and their academy, or the Bulls for that matter? I don't think so. And I don't think they have for many years. Yeah, look, I think I definitely agree with you as well here, Jason. It's going to hurt them in the long run. Yes, you can buy players. But if you're not creating healthy pipelines, that's just going to fade out and you're going to end up forking out more and more each year to try and lure talent back rather than growing it at home. Mm. But the added difficulty of this is that the box are away for so long that if your pipelines are not there and you're not actually building this talent, your squad looks very meek Mm. when it comes to the portions of the season that the internationals are not available. Look, I agree. And uh, there was a time when we were in school where everyone was talking about, oh, this guy's so good, he made it into the Sharks Academy, and you just don't hear that anymore. Yeah, that's well, that's probably because we don't talk to guys in school anymore, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> no, true. But, yeah, I don't know. I have to agree with you, Jason. It's definitely worrying. It's that a bit being of a, said, I enjoy a... seeing us on these recruiting drives. I love seeing some yeah. of these guys wear Sharks jerseys. Absolutely. Look, I think, I think Jason's hit a topic here that we definitely need to unpack in a later episode perhaps when it's a quiet and there's not so many competitions we do need to look at all the academies in south africa and see where everyone's at and pipelines yeah mm. what's going on there talking about pipelines did you see gray bloom put 60 points over uffies this weekend yeah that was a much hiding that number 12 from gray bloom is 100 going to be a springbok that oak is insanely good yeah and yet i heard today he's only a grade 11 really yeah really? so that was very, very impressive. But thanks, guys. Let's go province this weekend. We want to see the Stormers really get it out there, get a good victory for the fans that are all turning out. But don't forget to like, subscribe, and give us a review on your preferred listening platform. Shot for joining us, guys. Catch you next week. Ooh.